Shalom. Welcome to Simply Jewish. This is your host, Reuven Epstein. This series of podcasts is based on the book Simply Jewish, an illustrated, get-to-the-point guide to Judaism. And like the book, these podcasts are intended to explain Jewish rites, rituals, and customs, and to do so in a simple, get-to-the-point manner. Welcome today to our special High Holiday Podcast. The plan is to discuss Rosh Hashanah today and Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, next time. Okay, let's get started. The Jewish New Year is called Rosh Hashanah, literally the head of the year. And I think we all know that the secular New Year, as December 31st becomes January 1st, It's uh, celebrated as a big party. That is not how you would describe the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah. First, it's the anniversary of the day that God created the world. And Rosh Hashanah is not merely an anniversary. It's also the day that God, that Hashem, sits in judgment of all of mankind. And it's, of course, this judging and this judgment that makes Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur different than all other Jewish holidays. We'll come back to this idea shortly. Let's focus on how Rosh Hashanah is observed. The mitzvah of the day to hear the shofar, the ram's horn, being blown. During services, the shofar is sounded 100 times. Why is the shofar blown? It's meant to be a wake-up call intended to rouse us out of our spiritual slumber. Listening to the shofar is the mitzvah of the day, and it's very important. Still, if you listen to the shofar very carefully and did nothing else, you would have missed the point of Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is meant to be a time for you to take stock, for you to measure where you are in relationship with both God and man. How exactly to accomplish this? Well, that's kind of up to you, but it should involve some introspection, some reflection, contemplation, and an honest self-evaluation. Now, you might note, kind of hard to do all that in a day, a day like Rosh Hashanah, that is already so busy with other rituals, other things that we're supposed to be doing. So how can we do it in one day? And the answer is, drumroll please, That we don't do it in one day. This introspection and self-evaluation is not meant to be done in one day. Rosh Hashanah is the first day and Yom Kippur is the last day of what's known as the Aseret Yemei Teshuvah, which is translated, or at least usually translated as, the 10 days of penance. But I think the better way to translate that last word Teshuvah is not penance, but rather return. So these are the 10 days of return or returning, returning to God, returning to Hashem, returning to our factory settings, if you will. And it's it's time for a fresh start. Okay, now let's go back a little bit to the uh, rituals and customs of the day. Talked about the shofar already. Another ritual that's performed on Rosh Hashanah is Tashlich. We walk to the nearest river or body of water, a stream, a brook, and we recite a special prayer 
and throw away our sins. Throw away our sins. Well, if it was only that simple. The ritual is symbolic. If you have done something wrong, you must still make amends. You have to make it right. If a person sins against God, but sincerely repents, God is very accommodating. However, the high holiday season does nothing for sins committed against other people. If you hurt someone, you have to seek their forgiveness. And if you're on the other end of that, if you've been hurt by someone, they muster up the courage to come over to you and sincerely apologize and seek your forgiveness, then you should try, try to be understanding and, and, and give your forgiveness to them, as difficult as that might be. And if you are able to do that, you would be emulating no less than God himself. And if that person actually took something that was yours, whether it was a neighbor who borrowed gardening tools or something like that, or a former business partner who is uh, very creative in calculating his share of the profits, apology, a sincere apology, really has to include returning the items that were taken. And if they don't return what they took, then that's different. You can't really call that a sincere apology. We will talk a little bit more about that, I believe, on the Yom Kippur podcast. The prayers that we say during the Rosh Hashanah services are found in a special prayer book called a Machzer. The prayers are, are longer than the rest of the year, and therefore the services are longer as well. You pick up a Rosh Hashanah Machzer, you can't help but notice that it's, you know, wow, only a thousand pages. Okay, it's true that half of those pages are in Hebrew and half are English, so it's more like 500 pages, but that's still pretty lengthy. And that kind of brings me to a question I've been asked many, many times. Is it better to say more of the prayers but kind of zip through them or to say less of the prayers but with more feeling and focus? I think it's a good question. Now, ideally, we should certainly try to say all the prayers and to do so with feeling and focus. However, if, if that's not likely to be accomplished for whatever reason, we should know that prayer is referred to as the service of the heart. So much of the value of prayer is based on that feeling and focus. If you're not a regular synagogue attendee and the length of the prayers is a little daunting, I would focus on the Shema prayer, the declaration of our faith, our most important prayer, and the Amidah prayer, where we stand before Hashem, before God, and that's a great place to start. These prayers, plus hopefully hearing the shofar and hopefully catching a meaningful sermon, those four combined I think you're well on your way, and whatever more you could add to that, that's great. Interestingly enough, the prayers, or the length of prayers, often present a challenge to people from the other side of the spectrum as well. Daily attendees who recite the prayers by rote and have lost some of that feeling and focus. The antidote? The antidote is to try to remember before whom you stand. Okay, next topic, 
As we read through the English translation in the Machser, I'm sure you can't help but notice that some of the prayers are uh, not that upbeat, uh, a little on the scary side. Some prayers deal with life and death, with suffering. You know, what's the message? What are we supposed to think? That God is uh, out to get us and that we'll be judged for a bad year or worse unless we spend the day groveling and begging. And does God, does God love us? The answer to that is yes. God, Hashem, is your Father in heaven and loves you very much. More than any other person loves you or your spouse or your parents. More than you realize and more than you can possibly understand. Okay, well then, if God loves us so much, then why does he judge us? It's a very good question. And the answer is very important. God judges us because not judging us would mean that there would be no consequences to our actions and no significance to our choices and to our struggles. To understand this idea more fully, we must ask ourselves the timeless question of why am I here? If you think that you're here in this world to basically physically enjoy life to its fullest, then a day of judgment is very troubling. But if you think you're here to live life to its fullest, including growing spiritually, and if you would like this growth to reflect well upon you at the end of your life, well, an annual review is very important, even if it may not always be very comfortable. Okay, last but not least, there's another custom that we have on the first night of Rosh Hashanah, when we have our festive meal, we dip the apple in the honey. Uh, we also dip the challah into the honey. And we don't do that all year. The reason we do it specifically on Rosh Hashanah night is because we're trying to do these things, these kind of symbolic acts, as a sign for good that we believe that the year will be a, a good year and it'll be a good judgment and a good year for everyone. And uh, you might ask, well, isn't that kind of superstitious kind of omens? And we're not really omen people. We don't really follow in omens. But this is a little different. This is meant to be more of a prayer and hope that we're granted for a good year than an omen. This is a good segue for me to wish everyone a great year. Happy year for you and your family and all of mankind.
Okay, another thing that we do on Rosh Hashanah, and that is that we do something or some things that are symbolic acts that we try to do it as a signs, good signs uh, for the upcoming year. The first one, the most famous one, is that we dip the apple in the honey in hopes of having a happy, sweet year. Alternatively, some people also dip their challah into the honey, hoping for the same exact thing. So why do we do that? Is that like kind of an omen thing? I thought we weren't really the omen type of guys. And the answer is that it's not really meant as an omen as much as we do these symbolic acts as a sign for good, but more doing it as a prayer and a hope that Hashem will grant us, that God will grant us a good year. So kind of to express that hope and that confidence that the year's judgment goes the way that we hope it does. That's the perfect segue for me to wish to you and your family a happy and healthy new year, a year of sweetness, a year of goodness for you, your family, and the entire Jewish people, and all of mankind as well. Well, that's it for today. So long. <laughs>